Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions, and music with Orb as the host. Oddly Funny Productions. We might be odd, but we bring the funny to you. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. This is the final episode before the United States is projected to go into default if we don't reach an agreement on the debt limit. In other words, this is the last episode before we as a country start selling our plasma and sperm so we can finally pay for those Trump tax cuts from five years ago. <laughs> a few hours before the recording of this episode, the White House and congressional Republicans agree that today's debt ceiling meeting ended well. And by ending well, they mean their respective workplaces didn't get torched by another insurrection. There is the possibility that Joe Biden could enact the 14th Amendment, which says that the United States must pay its bills in order to avoid a national financial crisis. This will lead to Republicans trying to repeal the 14th Amendment, not only for the debt ceiling, but also to repeal protections put in place for non-white people, which will be an added benefit of lightening the workload for the Supreme Court. <laughs> a 19-year-old man was arrested after crashing a U-Haul truck into a barrier in Lafayette Park in D.C., just outside the White House. Uh, he was found in possession of a Nazi flag, which explains why the police didn't stop him sooner. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. 
Donald Trump's former lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, is being sued for sexual harassment and non-payment of wages by one of his former secretaries. One of her allegations is that he would talk on the phone while she was giving him oral sex, and Rudy claimed that it made him, quote, feel like Bill Clinton. (laughs) That's not true. People like Bill Clinton, and they're willing (laughs) to pay him for his services. Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana said... Biden would be a smoked turkey if the U.S. defaulted on its debt. Senator Kennedy would know, as his brain is more smoked than President John Kennedy's was when he left Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren Boebert and her husband are filing for divorce. It looks as though he's going to have to go back to the bowling alley to find his next significant other. (laughs) (laughs) Comedian Chrissy Mayer mentioned in her act in Dallas that the trans activist Dylan Mulvaney should still be classified as a male because Dylan still has a penis. That shocked me to read that. I didn't know Chrissy Mayer did comedy. (laughs) Martha Stewart appeared on the cover of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition at age 81. Of course, a lot of people on social media described her as a cougar. I'm against comparing women and animals and putting them on the same level. But to be fair, her past investing practices did lead her to spending some time inside of a cage. Oh. (laughs) 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 And now on with the show. (laughs) Please join me in welcoming Jeff Heisen, Devine Kerr, Polite Kitty, and David Kay. Hey, Tom. Hello, Tom and everybody. Hello. Yes. Welcome. What's uh, what's everyone been up to this week? Well, Tom, I saw a cinematic masterpiece, and that was Fast X. It was perfection. I, it may be for me, Citizen Kane and Fast X. That uh, It was two, two and a half hours. I could have watched another two and a half hours. The only problem was that they didn't have automatic subtitles whenever Vin Diesel spoke. Other than, <laughs> other than that, it was perfection. I'm not a big Vin Diesel fan. I'm not sure anybody is, but he's he gets work. He gets work in these movies. Then Ross would agree with you. Yeah. I'm going to take a small bite here because I have not seen these movies. I heard that Vin Diesel actually got superpowers. Is this true? Are we at superpower alien lengths with these movies now? No, I he doesn't have any superpowers except that he keeps wor- wor- getting work as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> he convinces people to keep hiring him. Well, for a bald guy, he's still sweet because when The Rock lost his hair, he became arrogant. So for that, I'll give it to him, Vin Diesel. I've had an I had an amazing weekend. I I don't know if any of you know this. Maybe Tom may, but uh. My comedy career has really gone into fundraising. And this weekend, I just had a a group, three different events that I was working on, all amazing events led by super-powered women who were fantastic. These these women were forces of nature. One was uh, for a crime victim center in a a, a Fayette County, which is south of where I live in Pittsburgh. Uh, That was on Friday. Saturday, I was doing one for a place called Robin's Home, which hmm. uh, say which um, helps 
uh, service women who are homeless along with their children. And then the third one we did was for um, a place called Hope Grows. And uh, that was on Sunday. I did a high tea, a Victorian tea with them. So, wow. and uh, that was, um, they are help uh, caregivers uh, who have spent, you know, their lives caring for other people, whether it's somebody who was, you know, a child that was sick, a parent that was dying, um, a, a spouse that was, uh, you know, going through um, uh, uh, cancer treatments or anything. But it was just, I'll tell you what, I was, uh, after the whole weekend, I was completely uplifted and um, until I started reading the headlines again on Monday, and then oh. things just went right back down in the crapper. So, well, and now you're on this podcast. So at the end of this half hour, you're just going to be completely drained. Donald Trump didn't get a mugshot when he was arrested and processed. It's just as well, given what happens to his skin during whatever process he goes through in order to make himself orange, flash photography could easily disintegrate him. Trump repeatedly paid off a doorman to cover up a love affair. I'd pay too if I had a love affair with my doorman, although I usually settle for the homeless guy who panhandles outside my grocery store who likes to pretend he's my doorman. So I planned this episode. I got, uh, got, all, the, got all the things I wanted to talk about together. I mean, this is an episode seemingly where we, you know, we do a lot of discussions about Donald Trump and like a lot of critics, a lot of people who uh, support him tend to look the other way through some of the stuff that uh, he's done, uh, seem to go ahead and say, oh, why do you keep talking about Donald Trump? He's past. He was president. He's out of office now, except he's not. He keep he, even after he left the White House, he still kept inserting himself into public consciousness, into into the media. And now he's running for president again, which he has been for the last what four five months so he's he's fair game am i am i am i wrong about that now or or not no there's other comedians going after him so you know doing impersonations so absolutely he's fair game uh, the the political world uh at least on the right revolves around him how does x extrapolate into his world how will his sycophants react to this candidate or that candidate. It's not just enough that Tim Scott's running or that that fascist in Florida or the Mr. Bus Lanes from New Jersey. It's uh, it's how do they incorporate themselves as a candidate in the Republican field, which is dominated so much by Trump, no matter what he does, no matter his convictions, it all just for at least his supporters, it rolls off. And then there's the um, there's the, the conventional wisdom in 2016 was that, oh, there's no way Donald Trump can win because look at him. And then I, I think due to depressed Democratic turnout and the, the right turnout in some states, Trump manages to get in and then COVID, all this other stuff happens. And they say, oh, well, there's no way he could possibly win re-election. And he ends up getting more votes than he did four years earlier. I mean, even though what what kept him out was, of course, Biden getting more votes and in the right states, the same states that handed the White House to Trump in 2016. And now the conventional wisdom seems to be, oh, well, 
He's he's got this past record. We know what he'll be like as president. He's a national security threat. All these other things. Could he could he still win again? Could he could he get back in the White House? I hope not, but I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think he can say he can garner the same type of independent and crossover uh, uh, votes from uh, disgruntled Democrats. Uh, and I think the Republican Party, uh, the highly the, the conservative end of the Republican Party has has had quite enough of his uh, of his uh, behavior. Um, sure, he might have a strong 25 percent, a solidified 25 percent of, of those people, of, of the of, of voters. But uh, I don't think he could ever overcome that uh, uh, another a candidate unless we had a really viable third party candidate that I can't think of anybody who would be that. Uh, or you never know, he might, um, if he does not get the nomination, somebody uh, comes in, uh, be it um, Nikki Haley or Ron DeSatan uh, or even Tim Scott, which will never happen. Tim Scott will never get the Republican nomination, but uh, he, he could always switch over to an independent and try to get those uh, psychotic Republicans that followed him in the first, uh, in 2016 and in 2020 to uh, vote for him again. There's a group called No Labels, which to me is all BS. No labels, but it's all BS. And it, it's considered to be funded by Republican money, including Clarence Thomas's BFF, Harlan Crow. So they fund the third party and the third party runs and they say, look, we're an alternative. We're no labels. Look, at look how cute we are. And that shifts enough of the votes the same way Jill was it. Jill Stein did eight years ago. Remember that? Remember that? So she yes, shifted just enough votes also, especially in swing states. So that's the scenario. Enough Democrats stay home, plus you have the third party. Yeah, that was going to be my thing, is I guess it depends on who the Democrats put up for their primary nomination, because that would be my fear, is that if Biden goes up and he is the primary is it enough to go against someone like Trump? Because that's exactly my fear is right there is because I, I don't know. Cause right now it's to me on the news, all I hear is basically a celebrity death match situation. Jeff, your scenario is basically the same dynamic as any marriage, right? You're too purist and uptight. You don't acknowledge your spouse and then, Ooh, a third party comes and everything turns to shit. <laughs> So let's pray that none of that. But I don't know. It's uh, I am I'm I'm a very terrified optimist. Did, did well, we you never, you never know. That, uh, Trump was the third party in that relationship. No, 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 no. The, the scarier is that I could remember when it was Ross Perot. Like, imagine being in something comparable to an open marriage, and you end up with Ross Perot. Trump true. was not in my metaphor at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
the purest is the voters that are liberal who are oh. they want the perfect candidate and then they nick and pick on their husband even though they're getting food every day they don't have to do picket fence and he would pay for their abortion but they're still complaining and then a third party come which is a third party voters and that's what leaks that's where the, there's another hole as the anus of their marriage that just goes to shit okay that's all <laughs> There was no Trump in the picture. Like, I just wanted to explain that. I just had to explain. Yeah, sorry. In many ways, Caitlin Collins was the perfect moderator to placate Trump during CNN's town hall. Despite the ambivalent attitude of conservatives toward Trump, Caitlin Collins represents the typical modern conservative. She's written for Tucker Carlson's website. She's willing to cave to Donald Trump when he glosses over an obvious fact check to one of his statements. And since the firing of Don Lemon, Caitlin Collins looks relieved to no longer have a black co-host. <laughs> wow. During her moderating the town hall with Donald Trump on CNN, we could see her fail to hold Trump accountable for his part of the increase in the national debt. A good example occurs in this excerpt. So you just to be expression. clear, Mr. President, you think the U.S. should default if the White House does not agree to the spending cuts Republicans well, are demanding? You might as well do it now because you'll do it later. Because we have to save this country. Our country is dying. Our country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. You once said that using the that using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge uh, just could not happen. You you said that sure. when you were in the That's Oval when Office. That's I was president. To, so why is it different now that you're out of office? Because now I'm not president. <laughs> okay. To me, Trump just personifies every exaggeration that people have ever had about politicians when they say, you know, rightfully so, that, oh, they're just uh, out for themselves, they're they're hypocrites, they, uh, they, they only fight for the things they believe in when it's convenient for them. I mean, and these are the same people who support someone like Trump who just goes out and proves their own theory. I, she she was so bad in this, and people praised her, and that she even got the the new nine o'clock spot on CNN. Like that's hard to get at this point. But she, <laughs> but he says, well, there's stupid people. What do you what do you respond to that, David? If somebody says to you, look at all the stupid people, you say, what okay. Are Oh, oh no! Yeah. I say, Hi, Ron. It's nice you say, to say my name is Tim. <laughs> <laughs> you say, you'd be like an improv performer. You'd say yes, and which, which stupid people? Who's who's being stupid here? Yeah, you ask them who 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 are you talking about? But yeah. uh, she just left it. The, the The trouble with Trump is he talks out of both sides of his face. At the same time, in one in one at the beginning of the sentence, he says one thing at the end of the sentence. He's already devolved into the complete opposite of what he's what he's just said. So, yeah, two, two you know, wrong makes a right wing. Yeah, that is true. That is true. It does. <laughs> but he's he's not even right wing. He doesn't even he doesn't he is he is what he needs to be when he needs to say the right thing that's Chick all he chicken does. wings yeah he'd say he's he's just a uh i i i wouldn't even say flip-flopper he's just you know if you say i like pepperoni do you like pepperoni and he was like yeah i like pepperoni but then you know and then and then you'll get the pizza 
and he'll pull pepperoni off the off, <laughs> off the off of the pizza. So it's so it's not like he it, it's not like he even has anything to stand on. He's just he's quicksand. He just you know he's just he he just leans back and forth to whichever direction he has to go. That's I and I've always felt that way about him. My take on that statement is it's not entirely accurate. I can't see Trump throwing away any food that hardens your arteries. <laughs> <laughs> He'll throw away the little plastic thing that comes in the box, give it away. <laughs> yeah, I, I just uh, I, I I think he just says what he wants the voters to hear, what the, the people that he's standing in front of, he says what they want to hear. And you know what? I think a lot of politicians do that, but he he does it to the with everything. I, and and there, but I, but how about there that situation where he cavalierly said what he was on his mind, which was I'm not I was president then, I'm not president now. So to now I say screw things up, but then I would wouldn't have said that, and everybody laughs. I was laughing because in that clip, Donald Trump admits he's not president after saying he was for so many, so many months. I heard that. That's what I that's what I was smiling, laughing. I'm like, oh, he actually admitted it on stage in front of everybody. It's a breakthrough in therapy, as they say. And admitted that they were stupid too. I thought it was a nice clip, but <laughs> who says you can't go home again? New Yorkers to Donald Trump, of course, as these clips of protesters along Trump's motorcade during a recent visit to New York City show us. is actually the sound inside a comedian's head the very first time he steps off the stage during his first New York City open mic. <laughs> I mean, that audience would have been much cooler for a CNN town hall, because at least by comparison to the audience they hand-selected, that well, the Trump's people hand-selected for that CNN town hall, that one's at least much more objective well, it sounded like dozens. Was, I don't think those were hundreds or thousands of people. I think that might have just been dozens of people that came out for it, uh, for his uh, uh, arraignment. Um, we got lying about numbers already for the arraignment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could say that. that I, I wish there were thousands that came out. Uh I know when the uh, shooting here in Pittsburgh at the, uh, the Tree of Life Synagogue, uh, Trump uh, and uh, Melania came to Pittsburgh to lay wreaths at the uh, uh, at the church uh, or at the synagogue. 
no one in Pittsburgh wanted him here. The the mayor asked him not to come. Uh, the the county executive asked him not to come, but he decided to come anyhow. And we gathered. Um, uh, it was October twenty seventh, I believe, was the date. Uh, uh, we gathered and uh, thousands, thousands of people gathered to stand in protest against him. And when his motorcade came past us, everyone in the crowd turned their back in silence and turned their back to his uh, motorcade. And it was probably like one of the, it was like, it, it, it felt to me like it was one of the, my, my, my most staunch, my strongest political statement that I'd ever made was to turn my back on the motorcade as it came by. I mean, I can, I can, Pull Democratic levers all year, all, all every election, but to to be able to be there and and see the president's car go by, and to be able to well, I had to look over my shoulder because <laughs> <laughs> I had my back turned to him. But uh, it, it was the you could just feel the you could feel the strength in everyone's the, the way we felt about it. It was just. It, it really was. It was a. Uh, it was a a very powerful moment. At least it was for me. So, but to see those people out there screaming and yelling at him at the arraignment, I've, I, I wish we could see more and more people do that. Uh, and I wish it's, it's a shame that more and more people didn't come out as a counter protest in January on January sixth of twenty twenty one. That's very powerful, David. Thank you for sharing that. Well, it it was it was a. It really was. It was an emotional time for us. I mean, that that presidency really divided our country. And uh, um, to think that people continue to um, support him after everything that they know about him, it's just it's just beyond me. OK, I'm, I'm off my high horse now. <laughs> I know well, the way the way you described it was it was like, you know, Trump would be that comic who shows up and like, begs for a guest spot on a show, basically. <laughs> and so, by the way, speaking of which, David, I'm going to go ahead and send you my avails later on tonight. But uh, I'll go ahead. <laughs> what will the future hold for the 45th president of the United States and how will his legacy be memorialized in terms of potential national and civic monuments? We can get a pretty good idea in this clip. He landed at LaGuardia Airport, which is named for Fiorello LaGuardia, the first mayor of New York to serve 12 years in office. The next day, he rode to his arrest and arraignment in Lower Manhattan on FDR Drive, the most famous urban highway in America, named for Franklin Delano Roosevelt, a New Yorker who was the only president elected four times to the presidency before term limits were imposed by constitutional amendment. On his way to plead not guilty, to a 34-count indictment approved by a Manhattan grand jury, he passed two federal courthouses, both named for New Yorkers. The Thurgood Marshall United States Courthouse, named for Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, who did his most important work as a civil rights lawyer while living in Harlem and running the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. The other was the Daniel Patrick Moynihan United States Courthouse, named for a New Yorker who served 24 years in the United States Senate. The glorious new addition to Penn Station on the west side of Manhattan is also named for Senator Moynihan. It is a 
short walk away from the Javits Center, a massive convention center named for Jacob Javits, who served 24 years in the United States Senate as a liberal Republican back when there was such a thing as a liberal Republican. The Javits Center is next door to the Lincoln Tunnel, one of the miracles of American infrastructure when it was completed in 1937 under the Hudson River, the Lincoln Tunnel, of course, named for President Abraham Lincoln. And it took some of the load off the spectacular George Washington Bridge, which crosses the Hudson River near Grant's tomb in Manhattan, a monument to President Ulysses S. Grant. As he rode back up FDR Drive after pleading not guilty, Donald Trump could gaze out the window at a magnificent monument to Franklin Delano Roosevelt that was built just a few years ago on Roosevelt Island in the East River. New York City is willing to change the names of important things in order to honor people who deserve such an honor. The name of New York City's largest international airport was changed to honor President John F. Kennedy after he was assassinated. And the name of the bridge Donald Trump drove across to and from LaGuardia Airport was changed recently to honor JFK's younger brother, Robert F. Kennedy, a New York senator who was assassinated in 1968 while running for president. Donald Trump knows that his hometown will never change the name of anything for him. The name Trump will never be honored in New York City. The name Trump in New York City, to borrow a phrase from FDR, will live in infamy. I mean, I've been I've gone back and forth to New York and I've been stuck in the Lincoln Tunnel. It's dirty. It's dingy. It smells of exhaust fumes. But and I can imagine a lot of people sit there in their commutes every day and they think to themselves, at least it's not Trump Tower. Yeah. <laughs> as, as, as a native New Yorker, that was a uh, that touched me very much. That was a beautiful uh, segment. I'm just trying to think of what part of the sewer they could name for Trump. <laughs> It's no, poor Ninja Turtles don't do waste that to them. Treatment plant. <laughs> the Trump Waste Treatment Plant. I think that's about it. Uh, Stop using all... straw to save the turtles. Come on, do not harm them. Exactly. <laughs> so he can't be the strainer at a waste management plant because that has more function than Trump ever did. <laughs> well said. <laughs> on that note, that's our show. I want to thank Jeff Heisen, Devine Kerr, Polite Kitty, and David Kay. Thanks Yay. for having us. Thank, thank you, Tom. But before we go, a final thought. A Utah woman who wrote a book about dealing with grief after the death of her husband was charged with murder. That's one way to deal with writer's block. <laughs> <laughs> Not only writer's block, but an annoying domestic partner who probably couldn't satisfy her in bed. She killed two birds with one stone, so to speak. Other people criticize her. I, for one, can understand the temptation of wanting to kill someone who's part of a gender that thinks helicoptering one's own penis for their significant other before bed is a turn-on. I mean, I get nauseous every time I watch myself do it in my full-length mirror. <laughs> Even with the soft jazz music and the disco lighting. Good night. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Devine Kerr, Polite Kitty, and David Kay. 
Theme music composed and arranged by Jeroen Vandenhurek. Executive producers, Tom Myers, Matt Connerton for IPM Nation, and Eddie Carson for Odyssey Radio. Please leave a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast's Patreon for extended episodes, bonus clips, and more. Thank you for listening, and please visit TomMyers.us. Hey everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to even more of it. That's right, you can listen to extended versions of each episode by subscribing to my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Tom Myers. You can also check out bonus clips, and you can listen to these episodes before they air on IPM, Nation, and Odyssey Radio. Plenty of benefits, plenty of extra goodies, doesn't really cost that much at all. Sign up today. Patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone! I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Race. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.